Hello, listeners. It's Rachel with A Cup of Fiction, short stories for your coffee break. Our story of the day is Zero Hour, written by the masterful Ray Bradbury. It was published in 1947 in the magazine Planet Stories. Most of us know Bradbury for his iconic work, Fahrenheit 451, written in 1953. Our story today features a mother and her child. The dialogue Bradbury writes for each character is genuine and authentic. I appreciate the mother's inner knowing when things don't feel right. Her thoughts are real and relatable. Pay close attention to the mother's growing anxiety and ultimate understanding of the situation. Enjoy today's story. Zero Hour by Ray Bradbury Oh, it was to be so jolly! What a game! Such excitement they hadn't known in years! The children catapulted this way and that across the green lawns, shouting at each other, holding hands, flying in circles, climbing trees, and laughing. Overhead, the rockets flew and beetle cars whispered by on the streets, but the children played on. Such fun! Such joy, such tumbling and hearty screaming, Mink ran into the house all dirt and sweat. For her seven years, she was loud and strong and definite. Her mother, Miss Morris, hardly saw her as she yanked out drawers and rattled pans and tools into a large sack. Heavens, Mink, what's going on? The most exciting game ever! gasped Mink, pink-faced. Stop and get your breath, said the mother. No, I'm all right, gasped Mink. Okay, I take these things, Mom, but don't dent them, said Miss Morris. Thank you, thank you, cried Mink, and boom, she was gone like a rocket. Miss Morris surveyed the fleeing tot. What's the name of the game? Invasion, said Mink. The door slammed. In every yard on the street, children brought out knives and forks and pokers and and old stovepipes and can openers. It was an interesting fact that this fury and bustle occurred only among the younger children. The older ones, those ten years and more, disdained the affair and marched scornfully off on hikes or or played a more dignified version of hide-and-seek on their own. Meanwhile, parents came and went in chromium beetles. Repairmen came to repair the vacuum elevators in houses, to fix fluttering television sets or hammer upon stubborn food delivery tubes. The adult civilization passed and repassed the busy youngsters, jealous of the fierce energy of the wild tots, tolerantly amused at their flourishings, longing to join in themselves. This, and, and this, and this, said Mink, instructing the others with their assorted spoons and wrenches. Do that, and bring that over here. No, here, Ninny. Right, now, now get back while I fix this. Tongue in teeth, face wrinkled in thought. Like that, see? Yay! shouted the kids. Twelve-year-old Joseph Connors ran up. Go away, said Mink straight at him. I want to play, 
said Joseph. Can't, said Mink. Why not? You'd just make fun of us. Honest, I wouldn't. No, we know you. Go away, or we'll kick you. Another twelve-year-old boy whirred by on little motor skates. Hey, Joe, come on, let them sissies play. Joseph showed reluctance and a certain wistfulness. I want to play, he said. You're old, said Mink firmly. Not that old, said Joe sensibly. You'd only laugh and spoil the invasion. The boy on the motor skates made a rude lip noise. Oh, come on, Joe, them and their fairies. Nuts! Joseph walked off slowly. He kept looking back all down the block. Mink was already busy again. She made a kind of apparatus with her gathered equipment. She had appointed another little girl with a pad and pencil to take down notes in painful, slow scribbles. Their voices rose and fell in the warm sunlight. All around them the city hummed. The streets were lined with good green and peaceful trees. Only the wind made a conflict across the city, across the country, across the continent. In a thousand other cities, there were trees and children and avenues, businessmen in their quiet offices tapping their voices or watching televisors. Rockets hovered like, like darning needles in the blue sky. There was the universal, quiet conceit and easiness of men accustomed to peace, quite certain there would never be trouble again. Arm in arm, men all over earth were a united front. The perfect weapons were held in equal trust by all nations. A situation of incredibly beautiful balance had been brought about. There were no traitors among men, no unhappy ones, no disgruntled ones. Therefore, the world was based upon a stable ground. Sunlight illumined half the world, and the trees drowsed in a tide of warm air. Mink's mother, from her upstairs window, gazed down. The children. She looked upon them and shook her head. Well, they'd eat well, sleep well, and be in school on Monday. Bless their vigorous little bodies. She listened. Mink talked earnestly to someone near the rosebush, though there was no one there. These odd children. And the little girl, what was her name? Anna? Anna took notes on a pad. First, Mink asked the rosebush a question, then called the answer to Anna. Triangle, said Mink. What's a tri? said Anna with difficulty. Angle. Oh, never mind, said Mink. How do, how you spell it? asked Anna. T-R-I, spelled Mink, slowly, then snapped. Oh, spell it yourself, she went on to the other words. Beam, she said. Well, I haven't got try, said Anna. Angle down yet? Well, hurry, hurry, cried Mink. Mink's mother leaned out the upstairs window. A-N-G-L-E, 
she spelled down at Anna. Oh, thanks, Miss Morris, said Anna. Certainly, said Mink's mother, and withdrew, laughing, to dust the hall with an electro-duster magnet. The voices wavered on the shimmery air. Beam, said Anna, fading. Four, nine, seven, A and B, and X, said Mink, far away, seriously. And a fork, and a string, and a hex, hex, hexagony, oh, hexagonal, hexagonal. At lunch, Mink gulped milk at one toss and was out the door. Her mother slapped the table. You sit right back down, commanded Miss Morris. Hot soup in a minute. She poked a red button on the kitchen butler, and ten seconds later, something landed with a bump in the rubber receiver. Ms. Morris opened it, took out a can with a pair of aluminum holders, unsealed it with a flick, and poured hot soup into a bowl. During all this, Mink fidgeted. Oh, hurry, Mom! This is a matter of life and death! Oh! I was the same way at your age, always life and death. I know. Mink banged away at the soup. Slow down, said Mom. Can't, said Mink. Drill's waiting for me. Who's Drill? What a peculiar name, said Mom. You don't know him, said Mink. A new boy in the neighborhood, asked Mom. "Mm, He's new all right, said Mink. She started on her second bowl. Which one is Drill, asked Mom. "Mm, He's around, said Mink. You'll make fun. Everybody pokes fun. Is Drill shy? Mm, Yes. No. In a way. Gosh, Mom, I gotta run if we want to have the invasion. Who's invading what? Martians invading Earth. Well, not exactly Martians. They're, I don't know, from up, she pointed with her spoon. And inside, said Mom, touching Mink's feverish brow. Mink rebelled. You're laughing! You'll kill Drill and and everybody. I didn't mean to, said Mom. Drill's a Martian? No, he's, well, maybe from Jupiter or, or Saturn or Venus. Anyway, he's had a hard time. No, I imagine, Miss Morris hit her mouth behind her hand. They couldn't figure a way to attack Earth. We're impregnable, said Mom in mock seriousness. That's the word Drill used. Impreg... That was the word, Mom. My, my, Drill's a brilliant little boy. Two-bit words. They couldn't figure a way to attack Mom. Drill says, he says, in order to make a good fight, you got to have a new way of surprising people. That way you win. And he says also, you got to have help from your enemy. Hmm, a fifth column, said Mom. Yeah, that's what Drill said. And they couldn't figure a way to surprise Earth or get help. No wonder. We're pretty darn strong, laughed Mom, cleaning up. Mink sat there, staring at the table, seeing what she was talking about. Until 
One day, whispered Mink melodramatically, they thought of children. Well, said Miss Morris brightly, and they thought of how grown-ups are so busy. They never look under rose bushes or on the lawns. Mm, only for snails and fungus. And then there's something about dim-dims. Dim-dims? Dim, dim, diminch, dimensions. Dimensions? Four of them, and there's something about kids under nine and imagination. It's real funny to hear Drill talk. Ms. Morris was tired. Well, it must be funny. You're keeping Drill waiting now. It's getting late in the day, and if you want to have your invasion before your supper bath, you'd better jump. Do I have to take a bath? growled Mink. You do. Why is it children hate water? No matter what age you live in, children hate water behind the ears. Drill says I won't have to take baths, said Mink. Oh, he does, does he? He told all the kids that. No more baths. And we can stay up till 10 o'clock and go to two televisor shows on Saturday instead of one. Well, Mr. Drill better mind his P's and Q's. I'll call up his mother and... Mink went to the door. We're having trouble with guys like Pete Britz and, and Dale Jarek. They're growing up. They make fun. They're worse than parents. They just won't believe in Drill. They're so snooty because they're growing up. You think they'd know better. They were little once only a couple of years ago. Oh, I hate them the worst. We'll kill them first. Hmm, your father and I last? Drill says you're dangerous. Know why? Because you don't believe in Martians. They're going to let us run the world. Well, not just us, but, but the kids over in the next block, too. I might be queen, she opened the door. Mom? Yes. What's logic? Logic? Why, dear, logic is knowing what things are true and not true. Hmm, he mentioned that, said Mink. And what's impressionable? A bull. It took her a minute to say it. Why, it means... <laughs> her mother looked at the floor, laughing gently. It means to be a child, dear. Thanks for lunch. Mink ran out, then stuck her head back in. Mom, I'll be sure you won't be hurt much, really. Oh, well, thanks, said Mom. Slam went the door. That was part one of Zero Hour by Ray Bradbury. Stay tuned for part two. If you enjoyed this episode, copy the link and share it with your friends. It will help me grow this podcast. Thank you.